Welcome to Reality Check Chat. I'm Barbara Scott. And I'm Judy Herschel. And I'm Liz Kearney. And we have a special guest tonight joining us again, Kate Fry. Hey, Kate. Welcome. Nice to be back. Great of you to join us. I'm excited about our topic tonight. And our topic is separation of church and state and First Amendment Establishment Clause, although it doesn't explicitly state it, right? Mm-hmm. It Congress not. shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. It does say that. The Bill of Rights, the First Amendment. Not only does it protect you from practicing your religion, but it protects you from religion also, which people seem to forget that aspect. So I'd like to talk a little bit about that tonight at some point. But go ahead. I was just going to say, not only in the, it's the first thing of the First Amendment, it's the top of the order, making no, not establish a religion. I mean, it's very, very first thing. It's like, hello. Yeah. Well, people say it isn't, um, it doesn't explicitly state separation of church and state. And in so many words, it doesn't. Roger Williams said, the founder of Rhode Island, uh, he used the metaphor first. A wall or hedge of separation between wilderness of the world and the garden of the church. And Williams believed that government involvement would corrupt the church. So he didn't want it in there. And then Jefferson most famously uh, used the metaphor in 1802. American people built a wall of separation between the church and state. So he said that the intention was, he believed, to protect churches from being corrupted by the government. Roger Williams did, yes. Yeah. That was interesting. It, it is interesting because I almost see that there is becoming a corruption of government by religion. And listen, I, I attend church. I'm proud to call myself a Christian. I'm embarrassed by how many Christians act because it's not what I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but as the Christian in the room, I, I have seen the opposite of that and how religion has begun to corrupt government. So hopefully there we'll are, talk about that too. There's a lot to cover on this topic. There and is a lot of things that people need to be aware of. There may be other Christians in the room. And I thought it was interesting that both Jefferson and Madison argued that compelling citizens to support through taxation, a faith they did not follow violated their natural right to religious liberty. And he was supported, he and Jefferson and Madison were supported in this view from Baptists, Quakers, and other dissenting faiths of the Anglican, this is in Virginia, of the Anglican church, which was in charge and as in England and was the church of the state at that time when they spoke about it. So I thought it was interesting that the the dissenters, the people on their side in this, that you shouldn't tax people and then use their tax money um, to support religious institutions that they don't believe in. But the people on the side of Jefferson and Madison were Baptist, Quakers, and other dissenting faiths. So we're only talking about Christians here. Well, I think the topic of Christianity in regards to today with the rise of Christian nationalists and what they're doing to our country is a big problem. And I'm not saying that other religions don't have their uh, extremists, but I think the United States, you know, our government is in jeopardy. Our constitution is in jeopardy because there are 
lawmakers who are entrusted to hold the constitution, who are bringing their religion into government, into schools, and it, it, it just, it needs to stop. And there's many people, I know I hear it, I know I see it, I, I, I hear this quite a bit in our community is, quote, we were a country based on Christianity and the fact that we don't have prayer in schools anymore and the fact that we don't follow the commandments and have the commandments, you know, on, on boards in our courthouses anymore, that that's what's wrong. We need to re return back to the wonderful 50s when women were serving their husbands when they walked in the door. But but what I do hear is is just maybe not the women serving their husbands, but they're inferring that is that we're a country based on Christianity. And that's what the problem is, is that we're losing that. I don't know how we became so skewed in that respect. History, and, and I think all of us are pretty well versed in, in why this country started and the struggles and why, you know, in, in immigrants coming, you know, over the turn of the century in the 1900s, we were a country based on many different beliefs and many different backgrounds. And we're that haven where you can go to be able to express yourself without being persecuted in a way that doesn't violate everybody else's rights. I think that's the issue. And I think that's the line that's crossing now. Yes, freedom of speech is important. We need to fight for that. We need to fight for my right to be a Christian in the United States and your right to be Jewish and Buddhist or Hindu. But when it starts to infringe on the rights of others, basic human rights, that's the question. That's the question right there. So we have gay Americans that that's that's what, what comes to mind first. And, and that's a really huge topic right now, because in the Bible, it says it's, it's wrong, it's a sin. And that's the, the justification for many people to have hatred toward and it. And it is this hatred towards this group of people. And they quote the Bible as justification for this. And as a Christian, I'm embarrassed by that. That's not what Christianity is supposed to be based on. So it's, it's hypocritical. It's dangerous. And it's well, scary. I agree with you. We can see that you're passionate about this subject, Judy. Oh, um, big time. It pisses me off, Barb. Kate wanted to say something. So let's give her the, let's let her say yeah. something. So I have a book recommendation for everyone. It's called yes. The Founding Myth by Andrew Seidel, who is a constitutional attorney for the Freedom of Religion Foundation. And in the book, he talks about the two main myths that Christians try to say. And one of them is that America was founded as a Christian nation or that our nation was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. And throughout the book, he goes through and refutes those statements with, you know, facts to back it up. Can you give us just maybe one obvious example? So, okay. The phrase under God, they always say that that is one of the reasons why our country was founded on Christian Judeo principles, right? Well, under God wasn't added to the Pledge of Allegiance until 1954. And it was an initiative sponsored in the Senate by, guess who? A Republican. This was during the height of the Cold War. And one of their solutions to fighting communism was to implement Christian messages in all aspects of our government. So this is just one example of how, you know, we have forgotten uh, during history, these little things that are peppered in there and they've done it so gradually that you don't even notice it. So and, so yes. and so politically. Yeah. And so politically. 
Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been waiting to tell this story because, and thank you for bringing that up, mm-hmm. uh, Kate, because it fits right into this podcast. I may have said it recently, but um, many years ago, I don't know how many years ago, John's cousins came from, no, his father was no reason. So John's has a lot of cousins in Norway. And so they came, some of them came to visit and they said, they asked us if you're, you know, if there's separation of church and state and, and that there's no established church in the United States, why do you have in God we trust on your money? I don't know. Why does the Supreme Court say when they open every session, uh, something about in God we trust now let's get to work or something like that. It's the Supreme Court opens every session with something about God and God we trust or something. And why does that? And doesn't Congress pray a lot? I think they pray before a lot of their opening sessions. I know the Republicans do bar and when they meet in, in groups or have committee meetings and, and meetings where they're all gathering, they start everything off with a prayer. Well, so did the Democrats until I opened my big mouth. Yes. And you yes. were there. Okay, yes. Liz. <laughs> well, my question stems from, the, is the Christian right evangelical nationalist, is that the right word? And they're, they say the word Judeo-Christian nation, we were based on, we were born in Christianity and all that sort of thing. But the founding fathers, who they also revere, most of them were deists. These guys would consider complete heretics, right? Mm-hmm. And the deist has basically said, hey, we're open on Sundays, <laughs> you know, so I don't, I, I, I see a disconnect between the founding fathers and this supposedly Christian nation that they founded. Mm-hmm. So I don't get that. And the other thing I'm always drawn to when I think about these discussions is sure you want your church to be the main church. But what about in a, a week from now, a year from now, some sort of power change comes into effect and some other church becomes the church. All of a sudden you're a minority. People never think about these things. And I also always want to say that the people who want to have a Christian nation, didn't anybody read or watch The Handmaid's Tale? <laughs> also, another question I have is, is there a functioning religious nation on this planet that's not a failed state or Iran? You know what I mean? I don't think the two go together very well. <laughs> I think Kate brought up an interesting point on on the changes that started to to occur mid-century last, you know, around the 1950s, kind of under the radar, you know, and it almost makes you think, you know, yes, it's religion, but, but did politics use religion to power for power? You know, that's like the undercurrent of it all. You know, you look at the Catholic religion and the Republicans for years have been really promoting this pro-life stance with the, with the Catholics and Trump could have done no wrong. You know, let's, let's talk about him putting in babies in cages and all these horrible things that defy that Christian belief, but because he's pro-life, you know, and, and that's, you know, just was a ploy, I, I think, to maintain their, their power using religion, but they fed off of, of one another. And I think in a lot of, in a lot of different ways. I don't know if you are familiar with Americans United for Separation of Church and State, but it's an organization we've contributed to for many, many years. And they talk about discrimination in the name of religion mm-hmm. is often used against the LBTQ people, women, as you're talking about, Judy, Mm -hmm. uh, religious minorities, Muslims, and other minority groups, non-believers, as I know, that's very true, very hard to get elected if you're a non-believer, and others, and unmarried couples, they said, but businesses do use religion to discriminate against others, and now, you know, they've been given some 
sway in that in that mm -hmm. in the case with the wedding cake, mm -hmm. even though it was kind of a cheating way to do it, it didn't solve the, the problem. But the case that is now in the Supreme Court that they heard on November 4th, the uh, city of Philadelphia versus Philadelphia was sued by the Catholic Services Organization um, because the city of Philadelphia said, we, you can't discriminate against foster parents based on religion and get state funds, which they were getting city funds. They were getting funds from the city. And there were several organizations that they said this to, the city said this to. And so one organization said, okay, we will stop doing it. The other one said, sued them. The Catholic services sued them. And they lost in district court and they lost their appeal, but they took it to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court heard the case on November 4th. So we don't know how they're going to rule, but it would mean that if they, if the Supreme Court decides that any, you know, a religious or any organization can discriminate based on any of these things, and they're getting taxpayer funded money to do it. So cities and states and the federal government can't say, unless Congress passes a law, can't say you must not discriminate against the families that want to adopt who you don't approve of. And the city of Philadelphia had many, many, what do they call them, amicus briefs from all sorts of organizations. So I don't know how the arguments went, but we'll see, we'll look for that decision. When are they expected to have the decision, Barb? Do you know? Don't they all come out in June? I don't know. I think so. I think yeah. it's coming up in the next month or two. Yeah, I think was... it's it's so crazy. There's a book, it's called Leviticus. It's in the Bible. And, and I'm by no means any expert, but they always quote that book as the reason why it's a sin and you're going to hell because it it's brought up in that book in the Bible. But that's also, so you'll see the quotes on Facebook. There was recently a radio talk show host that quoted that. That's also the same book that, that states that you can't be around a woman who's menstruating. That's a sin. You can, you can have slaves. Um, you can't plant two crops together. That's a sin. I mean, the most ridiculous things, and it's all mixed in with what they claim is being gay is being a sin. So their justification is ridiculous because it's filled with all this other garbage that, <laughs> that of course, they're not going to adhere to. Um, but people don't pay attention to that. Right. Anyway. Barb, what you were mentioning before, when you were talking about that religious organization getting government funds, you know, as an atheist, it, it boggles my mind that churches are exempted from paying taxes. I mean, I remember reading that there was some giant church down south that was collecting like millions of dollars in federal aid because of the pandemic. And where do you think all that money's going? People say, oh, you're persecuting churches because it's religion and it's my beliefs, da, 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 da. It's like, no, maybe churches need to start stepping up. Well, they're not, they're, they're not supposed to get tax exemption if they do things like that church that Eric is always talking about, the billboard that the church put up. You know, they're not supposed to be political. They're not supposed to preach politics at the pulpit, which they do, many of them do, mm -hmm. um, and still get their tax-exempt status. But nobody's taking away their tax-exempt status. Maybe the Biden administration, the Justice Administration will look at things like this. That would be good. Back in the day before there were social services and different governmental programs, churches 
filled a void in a lot of ways, feeding the hungry. That was the intent of that at the time. But I'm not, and I'm not saying by any means that churches don't do good things, but it's not in a way that it was done before and numbers are going down. And what's truly alarming, you look at some of these bigger churches that have thousands of people in their congregation, their pastors are making millions and millions and millions of dollars. That was not the intent originally. And I do hope that they took take a look at that again, because churches aren't feeling that that void anymore um, in doing the things for the, the community that they used to do. And that was the reason why, you know, it was set up that way. Yeah. And you're speaking about food banks reminded that case that I was just talking about Fulton versus city of Philadelphia. I found the name of it. If Fulton, whoever sued the city of Philadelphia wins the Supreme court case, that means that organizations that discriminate against food banks, for example, that get federal funding, they would be allowed to discriminate against who gets the food, you know? I mean, think about that. Think about that. Uh, And that's our taxpayer money. Not to mention the fact that for years, I mean, Kate just came out and and I've I've come out um, a number of times, but atheists and people that agnostics and people, non-believers actually, you know, you couldn't get elected to office. And I think it'd be hard now. There was a time when we had uh, Simon from Illinois, Senator Simon um, and um, Kucinich, who were atheists that were elected. I don't think they could get elected now. I mean, great legislators. I don't think they could get elected now because of their non-belief. I think it's very hard if you're not a Christian. Look how they're treating what is the, the the congresswoman? Why am I drawing a blank in, in um, Washington that is Muslim? Why can't I think of her name? Oh, um, because gonna, gonna yeah. What's, I mean, look at look at her and how she's treated just for being a, a Muslim. She's called a terrorist. Oh my goodness! So being non-Christian, I mean, we've we've almost moved backwards in, in that respect. Liz, um, you wanted to say something. Well, I was just reading recently that um, there's this, this study or some a poll taken that fewer and fewer Americans today subscribe to a professed belief system. So you think even then, as it's true that the, the non-believer could still have trouble getting elected? Like, I was actually going to say that exact statistic, how people my generation are less likely to identify as religious. Mm-hmm. And I think that when the baby boomer generation has come and gone. I'd be curious to see what our our country looks like in terms of religion versus non-believers. Don't blame the baby boomers for all our ills. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some of us demonstrated but, against a war, for example. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you were the heroes of that generation, Barb. You were. It, it, well, it, it should be noted, but unfortunately, we have a lot of people in our in every level of government that have been there a very long time. That new people need to come along and and replace them. Well, I really I, think that's the point of the matter. You, you said you were embarrassed by Christians. I'm a little embarrassed by baby booners that are Trump supporters, for example, and anti-abortion people, because we lived through the time when abortions were illegal and we know what it was like. And I don't know how anyone could want to go back to that, that lived through that. I have a question made for Judy. You know, you talk about the people who think that the country would be better run as a religious government, you know, with Christians in charge. I mean, those are your friends and family and people you know, right? Mm -hmm. What do do they say, you, you know, if the shoe was on the other foot? Like, like suppose some Islamic church comes to power, 
It's become, it's become an, an Islamic country. You know, what do they say to that? I mean, I think it's preposterous. I mean, I think yeah. the problem lies with the fact that so many people have have their tight knit groups they associate with, and that anybody doesn't that doesn't conform to that is an outsider. So there's all these different ideas of what a Muslim is and and what these different religions are, and they believe the stereotypes. And and there's this very jaded memory of what the 50s were like and what those times were like. And I think they they do truly believe that because we've lost our Christianity, and I'm just quoting what I hear, that we've lost our country. And it's white supremacy. It's it, it it's is white supremacy, yeah, it, Judy, it and you you it, should call them out race, on that. It, exactly. I'm trying to say it in a way that, but 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 it is. It's an ethnocentric way of looking at things, and that anything is different is evil. And and religions do play a part in that. Some do. I think they feed into it, but the government does also. Um, I went to a mosque about a year ago. Audrey and I went and visited a, a mosque. Because unbeknownst to many, we have a small little Muslim community in Susquehanna County that very few people know. And, and I thought, okay, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to, I was running for office and I wanted to hear what was important to them. So the closest mosque was up in Binghamton. That's where, where the individuals from here go. And I, and I went up and spent the morning with them. And I'll tell you what, I, I knew very little about that religion, but I, it, I learned a lot. Um, they were very welcoming. It, it wasn't what I expected. I was pleasantly surprised, but not so many people are as willing as I am or as we are to, to learn about different cultures and to find those similarities. And, and, and they don't see it that way. They only see it as a difference. And 9-11 really messed with people's heads because there's this idea, in, in, and especially many people around here, that that's what a Muslim is. That, that you know, th those individuals that crashed into the, the, the towers um, that's what a Muslim is, and we got to protect ourselves from Muslims. So close up the borders and make sure the Muslims don't come. Form of brainwashing, you know, in a way. What you know? What about the guy that um, blew up the federal building in uh, Kansas City? Exactly, oh, Timothy McVeigh. Timothy exactly. McVeigh. Yeah, white Oh, Oklahoma City. I'm sorry, not yeah. Kansas. Oh, we know City. Yeah. Oklahoma yeah. City. Oklahoma City. What 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 about him? Come on. Anyway, and that's the problem. There are extreme versions of every religion, every religion. But if you look at the religion as a whole, most people are very loving, kind individuals. But, but these extremes have been used for a political agenda and, and people unfortunately believe it. Well, I'm thinking that once we get rid of the baby boomers, Kate, <laughs> and we have people of your generation, I know that more and more people seem to be marrying people either outside of their faith or in a different culture that our nephew, well, both of our nephews married, one married a woman whose family is Hindu and the other married a Colombian woman. And I think that's going to happen more and more. And therefore the acceptance will be more and more. And maybe the fight against these these kinds of thing. I mean, if we go back to the Supreme Court, I'd be anxious to hear the kind of decisions that they make, but it's kind of scary who they are at, at, at present. I'm thinking that, you know, they talk about Biden packing the court. Well, as we've said before on this podcast, I believe the court is packed. So let's unpack it by getting some people on there that are not, you know, of the same mind as the majority, the current majority. 
it'll be interesting to see what the Supreme Court does with this case, the Philadelphia case, given its current makeup. Like you said, it is packed right now. And it was packed very um, minority views. These, the views that they hold are very narrow and they're, they're not the, major, the views of the majority of Americans. And again, it's this minority rule. That we've Which is what they before. should Right, which is what they should be. They should represent the Americans. I mean, you know, I read a thing of where Brett Kavanaugh, who wrote the majority case about, yes, you can put away a teenager for life without the possibility of parole for a crime they committed, you know, when they were under 18. And he cried, right, unless yet he was crying can't I be forgiven for, you know, my attempted rape at 16 or 17, however old he was? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Judy, what? No, I was just going to say, I do think it is possible to be a politician and separate, your, you know, and, and look at the whole picture. Um, I think it's very important to, to be able to do that. You know, things that I would do or suggest to friends in my personal life, y- you can separate that in your mind and say, okay, what's best for for my community, what's the most fair thing and the most fair solution? And, and I think you have to. And that's another problem is I don't think certain politicians can separate that or they use it for power and it's just an excuse for them to get away with what they what they want to do. The political maneuverings are, are distressing. I mean, I was a teacher. I didn't run around telling everybody, oh, look at the puppy. <laughs> and I don't run around telling people to read the Bible. I don't. Right. You know, you know, a lot of people think I'm Jewish because of my last name. You know, people don't know. You know, it, it's when you're sho- it's shoved down your throat. I guess my question for you guys, because I was really pondering this before we got on, is what is our ideal? Where would we like to see us? Because I don't think there's the Republicans feel that those of us that are questioning what they're doing right now that we're heathens that we want you know, we just want chaos, you know, and I think it's important for us to say what we we want. I I do want freedom of religion. I do want people to be able to practice what they believe in. I just don't want it infringing on other people's rights. I think that's as basic as and simple as it can be. Well, also, we don't, I don't want my taxpayer dollars going to to that kind of discrimination. Uh, we yeah. want equality for people, no matter what. I don't want my money going to to pay for that, and they just like they don't want their taxpayer money going for whatever you know it, that's unfair. I'm sure they have things that they don't want their taxpayer dollars going for, and they can understand that argument. It's just it's just mm-hmm. not right. We're supposed to be equal, mm-hmm. treated equally. What about you guys, Liz and Kate? You know where 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 would you like to see this go? Where can we say, okay, we don't need to fight for this anymore. We're where we need to be. I, I was thinking about the, um, the Bible that President Biden swore on when he was elected president. I mean, that thing was huge. But uh, regardless, I think that we need to take Bibles completely out of our government. No one should be swearing their hand on the Bible. If you're elected to office, you should be swearing a hand on the constitution because that's what you are elected to uphold. And your personal beliefs aside, you leave it at home. When you come into the office to do work for your constituents, you focus on the task at hand. Religion, check it at the door. Yeah, and I think Biden, even though he's a religious man, has pretty much done that, except for this, the swearing in. I guess that was a traditional Bible thing. But it was interesting because at 
the um, Derek Chauvin trial, Judge Cahill, there was no swearing in. There was just a, a firm, you know, they held up their hand and said, do you affirm that you're going to tell or whatever? I don't know what he said, but it had nothing to do with God or anything. And there was no place in the hand on anything. You know, um, there's, there's going to be people like Biden who do it the right way, but there's always going to be people who aren't going to do it the right way. So that's why for the sake of everyone, it needs to be removed. Oh, I agree. I didn't mean to imply that I didn't agree. I agree. And that would make everybody understand that we're all equal. I'm just saying that I think that Biden has put his religious um, beliefs. I think he leaves them at the door. I mean, I think he's the the kind of politician that is very religious, but doesn't I mean, just look at the issue of abortion. Yeah, but he still says, God bless America at the end of his speeches, which drives me nuts. <laughs> drives me nuts. The politicians that say that would probably be upset at politicians that don't say it. And yes. that, that's the sad thing. Sadly. That's the problem right there. It's, you know, you, you have the right to say that, but don't be mad when other people don't. You've, you've got to respect that. 100%. I just don't like things shoved down my throat. I don't like what you don't believe this or what you don't do this. Like, like there's something wrong with me, Spe- specifically when it has to do with religion. And, and you do, you, 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 you know, where we live, unfortunately, you do get a lot of that. It's, religion is very important to people here, which is funny because very few people go to church. So it's, a, oh. it's an interesting dynamic. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, really? Yes. Our churches are, our churches are dwindling. Our churches are closing down. The Catholic Church here, which I grew up in, there, there's very few people that go to, to, but they, but they identify still as Christian and believing in God, but, but, but don't attend church. But many vote. I had talked to many, um, many, 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 many um, Catholic Republicans, neighbors, um, people in the community that passed election were really disgusted by, by. Trump and his actions and what he did, but still we're voting for him because he was pro-life. Like that's so innately in them. But that's a campaign that that has been basically shoved down the throats of of many people here for 30 years. You know, those Democrats, they're baby killers. <laughs> unfortunately. Oh, and it's funny because honestly, I look at us as the party of love and compassion. All the reasons why I personally identify as a Christian, to me, that's my faith. My faith, it's all based on love. That's it. Love. And I don't take the Bible literally. I think it's ridiculous. If I could just say, there are a lot of Christians that are anti-Trump. I mean, that's for sure. No, big time. And there's a lot of groups that, that are all over the place that have formed that that are and i don't want to say they're true christians because who am i to judge that but um but it's based on love but but the fact that we're built up to be these heathens and but but really we're the ones looking out for each other we're the ones that have each other's back we're the ones that usually are compassionate we're the ones that are pro-life in the sense that we promote the health and well-being of children and families and women and we're the ones you know risking our lives for for our common man we're the we're the ones on the ground floor. And it's so funny how that is not portrayed of us because we're, we're the party of love, even though that sounds really, really corny, but it's, it's the opposite of what is portrayed, you know, that we're evil and demonic and, you know, according to the Christians. Here, 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 here to that. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. So what do we think? 
Have we hit this? I thought this was a really good one. Oh, Liz. I, you were asking what we all thought. I think we do a pretty good job as a country of keeping religion and, and the state separate, more or less. I mean, I mean, I think all churches are, people can go to whatever church they want and not fear repercussions, unless you're Muslim, of course. And <laughs> no, I'm joking because of, you know, all that you just said, Judy. But um, we do a pretty good job, mostly, keeping it separate. I am worried about this court case, and I'm worried that the precedent that that will set if, if they win, very concerned about that because I think that's a, a slippery slope. Um, so there's a lot riding on this current group of, of Supreme Court judges, I think, you know, and I, I do think we're at a crossroads and it's going to show, you know, how much of a, a push is the right evangelical um, agenda going to go because they do have a lot of power and, and are we going to be able to fight that because it is staffed. They could do a lot of damage over the next 10 years. Look, look what's happened over the last four, you know, that, that Biden is cleaning up right now. Mm-hmm. It's different when it's coming from the courts. It's going to be a lot harder to change. They're there for life. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot riding on this. Is If that is, does go through, where does it, where does it end from there? So I'll be anxiously waiting to see how that one goes. Kate, um, you wanted to? Yeah. Um, I just wanted to read this quote from uh, the book real quick. Um, just to refresh our listeners' memory, it's called uh, The Founding Myth by Andrew Seidel, and you can find him on YouTube. He has always appears on Fox News and, you know, debates with them. But uh, so this, the quote is, um, America is in a fight for its values, its soul, if you prefer, and Christian nationalism is warped in torturing those values, dragging this country down a dark hole. Oh, Cool. Well, thank you, Kate, for suggesting that we have listeners and that for that wonderful quote, <laughs> I think that we've done a good job of talking about our views, at least, of separation of church and state. And does anybody have anything else to say? No, I think we covered everything. That was good. It was nice having Kate on, and I hope she joins us again. So we uh, urge you to subscribe at realitycheckchat.com. We look forward to you listening to us. And we'd like to thank Amanda Cook, who uploads our podcasts every time we do them and gets them out there. And Carl Hagstrom for writing our music. And Kate, once again, for joining us. And a certain 13-year-old that's supposed to be putting us on... um... What's that? What's that app? Spotify. Spotify, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. And we are the independent Democratic women of Susquehanna County. I got it right. You did. Who sponsor Reality Check Chat. Wow, that was a really dark quote to end the podcast on. Well, you know what? We do need a reality check because we are we are reality check chat. On that note, (laughs) (laughs) have a good night, guys. We'll see you soon, okay? I'll keep you. Yeah, have a good night. Bye bye. Bye.